welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're tuning into an episode of the Redefining Society Podcast, hosted by Marco Cipelli. Let's face it, the future is now. We live in a hybrid analog digital society, and we must stop ignoring it or pretending that technology is not affecting us. The line between the physical and virtual worlds has become a figment of our imagination. On it, we are continually performing a dangerous balancing act juggling convenience, privacy, freedom, security, technology, society, culture, and even the future of humanity. There is no better place than here, and no better time than now, to muse on our relationship with technology and how to redefine what society means in this new age. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. Well, hello, everybody. This is Marco Ciappelli on Redefining Society podcast. And uh, for those that are watching, you'll see that I have a co-host or a guest. I think it's uh, a guest. Today. I'll go guest today. Yeah, today, it's easier. A lot of less pressure, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll take I'll take the burden here. You take it on your shoulders today. And the, and the other one is my good friend, Matthew Rosenquist. And he he's always... Uh, Welcome on the show and, and give me a hard time because he loves to do that. So for you listening, here it is. Matthew, how are you? Doing great. And somebody has to do it, right? <laughs> Especially it. with all these mental meanderings uh, <laughs> and th this journey that we always take. Yeah, you know, I, I love how we give a little bit of a hard time to each other, but we're always there to collaborate. And this actually came up from a post I did on LinkedIn, as often happens, and that's where conversation starts. I think, Sean, you you probably found so many guests just by jumping on a conversation on exactly. LinkedIn. It's, that, it's your thing. I, I invited myself to this one. <laughs> not, not because of the topic. It was to give you a hard time alongside Matthew. All right. Do we have it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the topic. So the topic is... As you know, people, uh, listener, audience, uh, ITSP Magazine was actually born as a, uh, a magazine at the intersection of cybersecurity and society. Then we figure, hey, what the hell? Marco doesn't know much about cybersecurity, but he knows a little bit about technology and society. So we open up to technology and then we split it and all of that. But they're all connected. And there is no doubt about it. And I have a feeling that they're even more and more connected than what they used to be. And here, you know, Sean and Matthew may may have an opinion on it. Um, and AI, oh God, we can't have a podcast without talking about AI. So today we I reconnected on Redefining Society. I want to reconnect it with cybersecurity. I know that Matthew was having some um, 
speaker uh, event not too long ago about cybersecurity and AI. So that's what we're going to talk about. But most of all, having a good time. So let's start with you, Matthew. Uh, who are you? And why, <laughs> why are you here? Who invited you? Really? Why, why are you? <laughs> that's a good question. Why am I here other than to keep you two in check? <laughs> uh, I'm a CISO. I'm a cybersecurity strategist, and I have a passion for cybersecurity and technology. And, you know, I love looking at what, what has happened in, in the past, where we are right now, right inside the jar looking out. But even more so, what's ahead of us? What wonderful things are we going to experience and what horrifying crises are going to come about? That's what really interests me. And that's why I like coming on the show and, and talking with you gentlemen. I love it. I love it. And, and we love to talk to you. And, uh, and I love to talk to Sean too. So who is Sean? Uh, I have to say that the, your passion is in, infectious, Matthew. And uh, hopefully some of it rubs off on us. Uh, who, who am I? Uh, I don't know. Doing doing tech and cyber for 30 years, uh, kind of runs through my blood at this point. And uh, the host of the Redefining Cybersecurity podcast, where I look at all, all things operationalizing cybersecurity. And to, to Matthew's point, and I, I guess oftentimes on, on my show, I'll end up at a point where I'm asking, well, can we not just do something differently and get a different outcome than the way we've always been doing it? which kind of leads to what's the future hold as well. So I just launched a new newsletter uh, called The Future of Cybersecurity, where we, I'm looking at uh, different scenarios and stories where perhaps it'll get people to think about what's possible, not just how do we get out of the hole that we've dug ourselves into. <laughs> so yeah. that's me. I love it. I love it. We always connect with stories. It's always been in our DNA here at ITSP Magazine, and, and again, stories everything. It's a podcast, it's a book, it's a movie, it's a, it's a presentation. So I'm curious, what, what is the latest story, not fictional, although well, maybe you go there too, who knows, uh, that you told? What is the latest story about AI and, and cybersecurity? Well, you said real, and I was thinking, okay, well, what's real, right? If I create something synthetic, is it real because I can see it and hear it and, you know, watch it in a movie? Uh, you know, a movie may be fictitious, but the movie itself is real. And I think that's where we're kind of at with AI, right? Generative AI, which is the hotbed right now. It's the hotbed in social media. It's the hotbed whenever people are now talking, you know, in the news. Uh, we've seen upticks and people join, uh, you know, like ChatGPT faster than they have any other social media in history. So it's reaching down to every person and it's about creating something synthetic, partially synthetic, you know, in what we can see and hear and maybe believe. It's interesting because I, I caught a snippet of, uh, no, don't judge me, um, Fool Us, the magician show, Penn and Teller. And uh, one of the magicians is a linguist. And the whole, the whole point of his act was that he had real props and not real props. So, but his point was they're real in your mind because he treated this, these non-real invisible props 
just like the real ones that you could actually see and hear and all the other things. And I, I feel that, that AI is a bit like that. I feel that bad actors and the threats that they, uh, that they spew on society are like that. You, you can't really see them, but you know they're there, even if it's just in your mind, until they become real. Right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's bridging that gap and understanding the impact and then obviously what the, uh, what the options are to change the outcome <laughs> in case it's one you don't want. <laughs> yeah, generative AI, it is a powerful yep. tool. And it can add to, change, or warp reality, all of our realities. So such a powerful tool, you know, as I've always said, uh, with the outstanding and miraculous benefits that, that uh, such powerful tools bring into our lives and enrich our lives, it comes with an equitable amount of risk as well, because those tools can be misused or used specifically against us. And the more we embrace them, the more we trust them, the more believable they are, the more the bad guys really kind of like them. <laughs> so we have to take the good with the bad. None of us want to get rid of AI, hopefully. Um, we, we all want the benefits. But are we thinking enough about those accompanying risks and mitigating them so it's not a severe detriment? So he, here's something I'm thinking, and, and it's been a kind of a progress. And of course, we're not in the redefining cybersecurity, we're in redefining society. So I, I like where you're going with this, because when people think about AI in general, um, not general AI, in general. Mm. They, be careful, be careful. I know, I know. I to, I <laughs> words matter when you're talking uh, that. What is he talking about now? Terminator versus cartoon flower. Okay. <laughs> so you, you think about technology. You think about computer, software, code, and, and all of that. But more and more, we talk about ethics, we talk about copyrights, we talk about creativity, we talk about taking jobs away, maybe doing jobs transformation. And now you're just saying that all you said for me was social engineering. Oh, there's so much more. Right? So, so are we, the, is the real risk more on the social engineering that AI can do to us as human because we're gullible or there is also the, the technical element, pure technical cyber risk. Yes and yes, but all the risks don't yes. come at us at the same time, right? They tend to roll forward based on a whole bunch of other underlying gears in the engine of the world, right? Has to do with innovation and adoption and easiest types of attacks or manipulation, all those kinds of things. So short term, right now, we're seeing the bad guys use generative AI um, to enhance phishing attacks in a couple of different ways, right? You've seen the phishing attacks where, you know, the, the grammar is wrong or they're trying to use some example, just seems funky and it's really easy to detect. So from a quality perspective, that's the first thing. You can use Gen AI to sound very intelligent, very businesslike, very professional. And you can use Gen AI to emphasize urgency and, you know, relevance and all these things. So the quality of phishing goes up. That's number one. Number two is the scalability because Gen AI, it, you know, you're not paying somebody in a sweatshop to write these, right? And try and customize them and everything else. You can have Gen AI kick this stuff out. And especially when you start 
down the road, not right now, but down the road, when you start integrating other databases of uh, stolen data and profiles, you can customize them because you know exactly what they're talking about for the last two years on their Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever, right? So, and a tool can automate that. AI can automate and integrate all those aspects automatically with good grammar and emphasis, right? The third area, uh, which I, I found interesting is around language translation because the US is a huge target, right? So you need to speak English, but what if you want to translate that to 46 different languages and attack targets in 46 different regional areas around the globe? Oh yeah, AI can do that for you, right? Just like that. So it now expands the total available market for any professional or semi-professional phishing organization, right? They sound more professional, they can hit a greater uh, overall TAM, and they can, uh, you know, from a scalability, they can do it better and faster. And that's just what we're seeing now. You can turn the dial forward and it gets even worse. So I'm, uh, I'm actually, putting the final touches on, I don't know when I'll let it fly, but uh, I have an article in the works where I look at uh, AI in its current state uh, in the role of a security program within a business and then uh, longer term, 10 years out. Mm -hmm. And in, in this story that, uh, that, I'm, that I'm building, AI is the savior because can it be. has, huh? It can absolutely be, yeah. can be, yeah. Because, because think about what, what makes AI powerful. It's all the data that it has access to. And that's where the human fails in, in many cases. Um, and in this story, I'm not going to give it all away, but in the story where a, a security uh, leader has to connect with peers and connect with ISACs uh, and ISOs, with share, information sharing organizations, and with threat intel feeds and with their own information they have to pull all this together. They might use some technology to present a dashboard that gives them a red, green, yellow, or some, some kind of rating of, of risk. But it's very hard to capture all that in, in the heat of the moment when there's, when there's a unpatchable zero day attack taking place that's widespread. And understanding the risk and communicating it in a way that can be understood by yourself, by your your team, by your peers, by the executive leadership team, by society, right? Shareholders. <laughs> Under, one, understanding, two, communicating it, and then three, back to your third point, perhaps in different languages. There's certainly but, different. But also you mentioned translating the story exactly. according to the way mm -hmm. that can be more exactly. effective. I love that part a yep. lot. So here's a perfect example of that, right? We can, even right now with generative AI, because again, phishing is one thing. There's a whole bunch of other different types of attacks that are coming. So right now, we've shown that you can use generative AI to basically scan for vulnerabilities, right? You can look for vulnerabilities in code. You can point it to a web page or a server farm or whatever and have it do the analysis, identify things, and it's it's taking, okay, known vulnerabilities and mapping it to the environment, and it can even run tests, and then come back. And you can say something like, hey, give me the top 10 vulnerabilities on my server farm, and it comes back. Well, okay, so bad guys 
can use it to say, hey, what's the top 10 vulnerabilities in Sean's server farm? Well, that's that's not good <laughs> because again, it's doing it very, very fast. And AI is designed to give you the highest confidence results. It's really an optimization schema when you're talking about machine learning, deep learning, right? So it's finding best path optimization uh, curves and, and all sorts of things. So great, it's gonna find the absolute worst vulnerabilities for Sean, I'm the attacker, I now have what I need. But it doesn't end there because you can also use generative AI and related tools to then conduct the attacks automatically. And when Sean blocks one, oh, let me go to the next one. And now I'm gonna use this vulnerability, right? So it creates automation. But on the other hand, as Sean was saying, AI potentially could be our savior. In fact, it will have to be added to the mix because Sean, on the other hand, is also using generative AI, maybe even the same code base and saying, hey, what are my vulnerabilities? Okay, now I need to go close those before Matthew comes in and attacks. Oh no, Matthew attacked. Hey, AI, start an investigation, do the forensics, produce me reports and metrics so I know exactly what's going on and what I should be doing to counter his attack. So now it's Sean's AI playing active defense and Matthew's generative AI playing active offense doing it at speed and scale that a regular security operations center wouldn't be able to handle. Wow. That, when is this movie coming out? <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where this connects to society, I mean, maybe some of your listeners, Marco, may not completely understand what phishing is. They probably don't understand. Well, many oh, they know what understand. phishing is. They, they do. <laughs> yeah, they, if they've listened to your show, certainly. Uh, they may not know what a security program is within yeah. an organization, but we're where they will recognize where this can impact is in a healthcare setting yep. or in a banking environment or uh, the industrial control systems that, that control the grid and, and the flow of, of, of uh, electricity and uh, the distribution of fuels for, uh, for transportation and things like that. Even the transportation networks, all those things hit us directly in society. So if you, if you can picture, your favorite environment, whether it's pulling money out of the bank or, uh, or taking a flight somewhere. Um, if you can picture two AI systems battling it out, um, and in, and hopefully one side saving it from, from the other side, destroying it, uh, that that's kind of what, what the society impact of this is. And maybe, maybe the visual is two huge yeah. transformer robots fighting one against <laughs> the other. Rock them, sock them AI. We, we, which go. is, an, you know, it's a, <laughs> classic example of kind of you know it's adversarial ai except you can use it to be the critique and the painter painting some artificial uh, digital art in this case it's it's not for leisure it's not the nice van gogh <laughs> flower coming out so um yeah it can affect society and how how deep is ai in in our society and it, does it bring more vulnerability using AI to do? I mean, does it open more doors, more access? I think it does, right? I think it is the stellar winning tool for disinformation and misinformation campaigns. When you can use a deep fake and make the current president say something not so nice, or your political favor, you know, favorite do something, 
um, or a company you don't like or a boss you don't like, either in video, audio, email, right, or all of the above. You know, you don't like your current boss because he's a tyrant. All right, let me create a virtual version of him with Gen AI, have him join, right, the board meeting or the department meeting and cuss somebody out with you being belligerent, right? Or speak badly about the founders or something like that. Ha ha ha, right? So it isn't in just, okay, random spam anymore. Uh, and I'm gonna spoof Sean's name. I'm gonna spoof Sean's name, but I'm also going to write that email the way Sean writes the emails, right? The way he addresses people, his tone and character within that email. And people will recognize that, right? We have certain tells when we talk. We have the same thing the way we look and the same thing when we're um, you know, in written conversation. And all that can be duplicated. You can go to an AI, a Gen AI system, and say, write me three chapters in the style of Sean Martin about cybersecurity. And you'll get crap. <laughs> it's a lot of X's and O's, right. but yes, red line. Yeah, exactly. very Sean Martinish. <laughs> uh, so it, you know, it isn't just phishing emails; it's impersonation, right? And it can go even beyond that. Um, you know, I was watching some some interesting people on YouTube, and they were actually showing how to create a synthetic identity to be an influencer on Instagram and things like that, right? Follow these 10 steps, you create your own influencer. And it is somebody that does not exist in real life, but you can see them in their picture. You can see them in videos doing things around the house or out in the park. You can hear them, right? A synthetic voice, not someone's voice. It is completely generated and new but a beautiful sounding voice and they're talking and the lips are matching what they're saying, very believable. You can put them in awkward situations or provocative, tantalizing, you know, uh, kind of situations to be able to gain more followers. What harm could be done with that, right? Mm. Or maybe you just want to copy and you make a synthetic whomever your favorite social personality is. And again, put them in those inappropriate, awkward, you know, funny situations. Are you going to get more attention? Can you broadcast and reinforce messages? Maybe, probably. Can you, can you sell to people better? Mm. Oh, yes. Right now we've got armies of marketing people trying to get wording right and, and campaigns perfect, and it can take weeks to months. Some of these school tools can do it in a matter of seconds, mm -hmm. which kind of gets back to what you were saying. There might be some job loss, but that's a different topic because I think there's actually going to be job get, net gain. But anyway. Uh, I just recorded and published not too long ago about this app. I talked to the CEO where he just creates your fake background it changed it it's a photo app but it's not just mm -hmm. photo i mean it's like here is me in front of the tory Eiffel, where you've never been in paris so we right. the whole concept was also how it can be used by modeling agency advertising mm -hmm. agency cost nothing once you have created the engine 
and there is no cost of flying somebody in location. There is no studio. No. There is nothing. And it's like, you know, so here's another probably industry that is quite worried about it. And another one that is like, oh, cool, more money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I see not just industry, industries. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the clothes can be digital. The, the model can be digital. The background can be digital. Your favorite uh, actor can <laughs> remain the same age mm. for the 20 movies they're going to do for you. Mm -hmm. In yep. fact, they could be deceased and you could still be doing movies with them because you own the intellectual property rights of their image and voice and so forth. Yep. Mission Impossible 97. <laughs> Still doing his own stunts. Yeah, still doing his own stunts. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this Marco, this this brings up kind of where it gets much more exciting to me than than a security program. Granted, I like technology and I like project management, and so that world is is a geeky world for me, and I love it. But mind blowing is is this world that we're talking about, where there's so many moving parts, so many people involved people trying to get money, people getting screwed out of money. <laughs> and it, in there is a line of, of ethics and societal rule and maybe not as many laws as there should be. And I don't know, I just, I think we talk about it often on the, on the magazine that uh, technology kind of outpaces regulation for sure. And I think technology now is outpacing people's view of, of what's right and wrong. Um, it may not seem wrong, the little thing they're doing. Certainly they have the bad actors. But a lot mm -hmm. of people might try because they can yeah. an experiment with AI in whatever form because they can and not realize that it might be doing harm. It lower the entry level for... Yeah. Even someone that wants to be a, a criminal. I mean, I mean, yeah. you, you. We were having this conversation in cybersecurity years ago. You can rent a farm for a DOS attack, or you can rent whatever robots and boats. And mm -hmm. so the, the key now it comes when we talk about this kind of changes is that especially the new generation, uh, they don't care anymore about that experience. And I'm getting somewhere with security here. So that the the line between what is real and not real, or real but in a different dimension, it's you know it, it's it's all there. And and I feel like the opportunity to steal money in the metaverse or to attack someone. Uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about impersonation. What if you can get into impersonating the the the, the doctor at the pharmacy or the prescription and it. And it's a target real attack. And we, we didn't even mention war, real war game. You know, we. Yeah. So I don't know. If you want to go there, do you want to go like dark and doom and gloom? <laughs> well, we can go dark. That's my happy place. Go for it. Right. Oh, oh definitely. Uh, you know, even right now, we're seeing, uh, you know, these gen uh, AI, generative AI systems create code. Think about that. And that's one of the worries. Oh, well, there won't be as many software coders and jobs will go down. That's not going to happen. But just right now, with, without the addition of Gen AI, it's estimated that there will be over 300 billion lines of code that we have to secure. Yeah, that's impossible. It's impossible that the much smaller number we have now, 
But now that you're going to have Gen AI create even more code, right? Think about it. Right now, you have to go to um, some vendor and say, hey, I want a word processor. So you have to buy their code. Maybe in the future, you just go to your computer and say, create a word processor for me. I got to write an email or create a word processor for this or just create the email. And it, it writes the code for whatever you need, does the job and deletes it. Right. And it's just using best practices and grabbing other code snippets. And when you ask it later on in the day, it'll create another piece of software, but with even better information, better code, because it's pulling it together later in the day. And all these other AIs are finding best practices and sharing it. Uh, it's it's on demand. Wow. If you wanted to get a, a picture of Marco right in front of the Statue of Liberty, you would have to coordinate things, right? You would have to get them off the no-fly list. You would have to, you know, get an airline ticket and, and you know, uh, an airline willing to fly them over there. And, and it would take a while to get that one shot. Or you can go to ChatGPT or any of the other, you know, Leonardo AI or whatever and say, generate a photographic 8K image of Marco in front of the Eiffel Tower. Right? And you'll get it. And they go, no, 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 at night. No, with less clouds. Yeah, mm -hmm. more crowd. More Everyone's staring and pointing at him. Okay, great. Now I can do things that I can't even do in real life. Mm -hmm. Have 100,000 people pointing water balloons at him <laughs> while standing upside down on the top of you know, the Eiffel Tower. Okay. It can do it. And it can do it like that. You know, put them in a dress. Guinness Book of World Records. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <by> <laughs> so, you know, it's instantaneous. And where does that put us, right, from trust in digital services and products and our life out there? God, do you remember when you just to say photo or didn't happen? <laughs> That's not quite <laughs> that anymore. It's a photo and maybe it didn't happen. Yeah, you know? You know? So, and, you know, we're, we're even, I, I'm worried about, because you talked about, hey, you can use AI to generate your, you know, a, a fake background of who you are. What about creating an entirely synthetic identity? Mm -hmm. Entirely synthetic from their, your name, your look, your voice, your education history, your background, your accent, and then also generate a, bio, a, a synthetic iris scan, fingerprints, things of that sort. Okay, let's see, I could use that potentially to apply for jobs. I could harvest that with, with um, you know, dark web information about people and file for credit cards and loans and everything else. I could even be an online personality, right? Completely synthetic. Oh. Let, me, let me ask you this. Are, do you feel, because we had some conversations around encryption and, and quantum quantum ready mm -hmm. uh, quantum safe encryption quantum ready quantum resistant quantum resistant there we go uh, and during the conversation uh, the point was made that it, it can't be broke broken today but at some point it will be yes and the, the point was made that there are bad actors collecting all the information now they're collecting the keys that they can get a hold of now and sure the data might be five years old at the time 
quantum breaks the key or it makes the key in, unusable or invalid or whatever. And now they have access to all this information nobody thought was an issue because it was protected at the time. So mm -hmm. with, with that in mind, because I believe that's a case that, that's real, um, with that in mind, do you feel, because you mentioned iris scans and fingerprints, do you feel that there's a, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, a market, but a, a movement perhaps where this type of information is also being captured in a not way that synthetic. can then be... Not, not for synthetic yet. So this I'm is one of those like uh, 3D printers down the road. Printing a new thumb of mine. <laughs> well, you know, as trust start degrades more and more, right? We're seeing social media have all sorts of bots, fake accounts, things of that sort. We hear companies um, that are, you know, going through and hiring temps or people remotely. And the person that interviewed is not the person that's that that actually you know, they hired, right? And so there's there's all sorts of misdirection and fraud and things of that sort. Um, let's take, for example, dating sites, your dating app. What do you think Gen AI can do? Automated, highly automated, creating, oh, 10,000 new identities a minute and flooding dating sites. That's kind of a problem. And as we get more and more down the road, we want more confidence in are we talking to a real person, right? Biometrics was one of those things. It used to be passwords, but <laughs> passwords are weak. And unfortunately, once, you know, uh, they can get hacked. Okay, then people wanted to move to biometrics. Well, okay, Right. Sometimes they're tracking where your mouse is for a captcha. Right. The, the new versions of captcha. It's not whether you can actually tell which is the fire hydrant. They're actually watching your mouse screens and they're looking at your previous browser history. Right. Things of that sort. Um, they don't care if you can pick out a fire hydrant. They really don't. You can pick the wrong stuff. Uh, but eventually we will want to get more tangible and more real. And this type of technology is already a couple of steps ahead of that. And it's and, just about we, trust. So people sitting at a computer may not realize it. They may that not, the person they, they're flirting with online uh, well, is one of the 100,000 that were created yesterday. And yeah. You might see stories in the news. You might see examples on TikTok or, or Instagram or something. But I, what I want to connect to is, well, like for, for example, a uh, an electric vehicle that has a lot of advanced technologies in it. Right? Okay. It, it's, it's watching everything around it. It's paying attention to itself. It's monitoring the person driving, right? So it's looking at eyes and movement and, and uh, in relation to its surroundings and, and all that to make decisions. Yes. Right? So it's, it's using data. It's using AI, I presume uh, under the hood, <laughs> <laughs> to make decisions, to protect the driver if they actually have their hands on the wheel, protect them if they don't, protect them if it's in autonomous mode. And, and it's, it's showing the outside world to the person sitting on the inside. So you can see the trucks and the cars and the cones and the, and the road lines and, and the knows when the lights turn green versus red and all that stuff. That, it's all powerful stuff. Now add to that 
the the ability to create fake versions of that, which it's collecting all that data so it can easily do it, <laughs> right? Um, oh, yes. that, to me, that's that's a real life scenario where things AI is heavily involved in what we're doing, and it, it's not this fun and games. I'm going to create a movie of, of looking at somebody else. Um, this is a real life movie driving down the road or the highway, looking at everything around me and looking at me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, when we get into those kind of, you know, deep learning environments as well, you've got, it's like matter and antimatter, right? You've got uh, adversarial learning that can unwind some of the things. And the classic example is you have your car, right? It's driving down the road and it's scanning the environment. And one of the things it scans is a speed limit. And that speed limit says 25 miles an hour. Well, it's got to recognize it's a speed sign and it's legitimate. And then it has to read that speed sign. And it isn't simply matching it, right? It isn't optical character recognition exactly because it could be foggy. You could, uh, somebody may have put graffiti on it, right? Somebody took a shotgun and blew part of it away, whatever. And so it's using AI, which is great because in poor conditions, uh, suboptimal, it'll work. But you can use adversarial AI to be able to modify that. In fact, some, some colleagues of mine uh, back at Intel Labs, they were able to create like a, pic, a, a little sticker. Oh, yeah. wasn't very big. Slap it on that thing. And instead of the car recognizing it is, a, it is a speed limit sign and it's 25, it was a speed limit sign at 125 miles an hour. Mm. Right. And so and, and it was just a small little sticker. It wasn't somebody put a one on it or anything like that. It was a small little sticker. And, and, that, yeah. and that was a physical uh, yes. thing. Like yes. where, now you could probably do that by, you know, making hallucinate the, your AI. Well, with, yes. And, with and reading they did something that. completely different. Yeah? They did that at a live conference. They had a live conference where there was a camera set up and the camera was watching people walk by. And it would categorize them, male or female or this or that, right? Um, and a cart would get pushed by and it would identify the person in the cart. Some colleagues of mine made up some shirts with, again, this random pattern on it. You know, it looked like some art vomit, right? <laughs> and they walk past the camera and it identifies them as an elephant, Right. And it's just a T-shirt. They're not wearing a costume or anything, but the T-shirt was able to mess with the algorithms mm -hmm. because it's adversarial AI. It's looking at the AI and reverse engineering and then mucking with it. Right. And just this one, you know, 12 by 12 little pattern was enough to undermine this highly intelligent, very well trained artificial intelligence system. It was missing an elephant. misused anywhere. That 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 world needed an elephant, clearly. <laughs> that yes, <laughs> but you could make it think anything, right? Anything within certain parameters of what it scans for, and and other things. You if know, it would be funny if we if we do it on the dating side. If if you make an artificial intelligence <laughs> being <laughs> being the one that date an artificial intelligence, see what the hell happened there. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, so pretty crazy. I want to finish with you know, a question that I want 
you both uh, answer, which is, um, are we ready <laughs> for this business? Sean, I know you talk to a lot of, you know, like a cybersecurity on the business side where they fork the money, give the budget. I mean, I, if you go tell the story that we just told now, and Matthew, this is for you too. They're going to be like, yeah, let uh, my company in 20 years worry about that. Uh, is it still perceived that no real? What's your take, Sean? So I, I'm optimistic that uh, we, we end up in a, in a place that we, we most of us survive. <laughs> I'm, I, I can say that generally for both society and, and business. I'm leaning more into the into the business end of things. I think I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, and there's going to be it's not going to be the biggest breach ever that that triggers a change. I, I don't know what the change is. I'll have to think about it. I ask the question, but there there'll be something that triggers a reevaluation for the ways in which we manage risk and our our cyber controls, and maybe even those two words change completely <laughs> I'm, I'm just throwing it out there the, the, that may be the problem i don't know but the point is I, I think it gets a little i think it gets worse there's going to be a trigger i think we reevaluate and reset and uh and with that uh we end up in a, in a place where we can hold our own against the, the crap that we created that that's fighting us so i agree <laughs> with everything everything that sean said um i'll add a different perspective to it it is normal in our industry that the attacker uses innovation first. They use it for bad things in new, innovative, unknown, unforeseen ways. They get to go for a little while, but as soon as we feel pain, right, we respond in security. It means we're given the money and the attention and, hey, go fix this, right? I feel pain. goes back to the first axiom of cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is not relevant until it fails. The moment innovation is used to make it fail, okay, it's now relevant. We're now going to try and fix that. And that's where the arms race comes in. In answering your question more directly, are we ready for it? I would say yes, tentatively. Knowing there's going to be incidents, knowing we're going to fail and have to respond and counter to it. But the one thing that I'm talking about with, to companies, to CEOs and to boards, a specific to Gen AI, is most of the cyber attacks we're going to see for the most part are just a new twist or improvement or optimization on what we already kind of know. We already suffer from phishing, right? In email and text, you know, vishing and, and all these other things. And even once in a while we get, you know, somebody uh, impersonating somebody on a video call, right? We're going to see more of that. It's going to be more efficient. It's going to be more, but it's not too, too surprising, right? There may be some things down the road. The bigger issue right now for these companies that they're not looking at, because all that is sexy. That's, let's talk about deep fakes and impersonating the CEO and business email compromise. Yeah, that's sexy. <laughs> There's a non-sexy side to this. And it's really about those companies that are embracing and rushing as fast as they can to get their version of generative AI out into their products, their service, have their customers exposed to it. 
because it's cost effective. It's um, new. It's, it's, it creates buzz. It'll generate revenue, things of that sort. All great reasons. But anytime you are going to push forth untested, untried, not fully baked technology and connect it back to your very sensitive data stores and systems and everything else and try and push it out there as fast as possible, you're going to create vulnerabilities. And those are the vulnerabilities that when exploited, it's going to go into your backend systems. It's going to harvest your data. It's going to undermine your availability. It's going to be inserting malware. It's going to be um, doing digital extortion on you. Why? Because you were too focused on, we have to get this out there. And I'm more concerned about accuracy of my AI system than, um, what's that word? Oh, yeah, the security of it. No, 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 no. I want uptime and I want accuracy. This other thing you're talking about, uh, security, we'll fix it later. Right. And again, that's a re repeating story throughout time within the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is the bigger risk than these social media attacks and, and all the, the sexy stuff we want to talk about. No, by the way, uh, one, one bad cyber event and you're quick to market uptime and accuracy or could all go out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Each one of those three can be uh, compromised. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think this is a great uh, end for a show that is about redefining society. I mean, we, we need to relearn again how to be a society. And now that we don't even know what is real or unreal and does it really matter in the end, we don't know. But uh, rushing towards and i can get to use my favorite flies uh blinking lights and funny noises just because they're cool may not be <laughs> the good way to do it so can we I did one more comment before you close mark yeah of course it, one it more thing <laughs> one more thing i know it's not your not my show but i'm doing it <laughs> but the, the the magic show that i saw it has a message in it which i think is important here and so the show had three coins that were real, three coins that were not. And the, the whole trick was about multiplying the number of coins that one was able to create. Um, so the message was, with greed, this particular trick lost all the coins, ended up with none. So the point I want to make is don't be greedy. <laughs> don't be greedy. Think about what you're doing. That's and, a good uh, it goes back to the to the ethics thing. Anyway, so sorry, Marco. Oh your, no, that's that, that's another thought that we can put in uh, in people's head. So I'm I'm all about that. We never give you answer. We just give you more question to think about. And I think that makes a successful episode. So I want to thank uh, Fake Sean and Fake Matthew. Their AI was here today. Uh, this was not them at all. <laughs> and uh, and I hope, uh, honestly, no, I hope you, you got something good out of this. And uh, yeah, it was a little dark, but uh, I think we're positive people in the end. Agree. Cool. Stay yeah. tuned, everybody. Subscribe. And I know that Matthew will come back because we're n near the end of the year and we love his prediction on the future. And not that this wasn't already a lot of it, but, you know, maybe for next year instead of who maybe knows. Maybe he's what. holding back. He has a good. Stuff. I know. I think I think he knows <laughs> things that we don't know. And um, I've got a crystal ball. Uh, <laughs> you can't right. see it. But yeah. other than the human sacrifice, it's <laughs> necessary you. to get it to work. It's great.
Oh <laughs> uh, man, time to time to turn off the crystal ball, switch the off button. Thank you so much, and uh, catch you later, everybody. Take care. Bye bye. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Society, hosted by Marco Cipelli. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.